There is a note sheet in your folder with our passage on it for today. We've been working our way through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, and today we return to chapter 14. We began looking at it last time. The Apostle Paul is finishing up his teaching on the issue of spiritual gifts, which he began way back in chapter 12. And the reason he's providing all this instruction is because the, the believers in Jesus in the town of Corinth had really gone off the rails, well, in a lot of ways, but on the, the issue of spiritual gifts in particular. What they had done is they, they had come to the conclusion that there is one really, 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 really important gift that everybody needs to have, everybody needs to exercise, uh, namely the gift of speaking in unlearned language, uh, or the gift of tongues, as we often call it, and uh, with great enthusiasm promoted that as the one necessary conclusive proof that you were under the influence of, you were filled with the presence and the power of God's Spirit. Well, that's not a correct understanding. And so uh, that, that's a DIY, that's a do-it-yourself spirituality. And so Paul has been going to great lengths to correct them on this. And if you've missed the last couple of messages, you can always go to our website and catch them. So Paul is winding up his teaching on gifts, and he's focusing in particular on the gift of tongues, because that's where the problem was, and also the gift of prophecy, which uh, he says, basically, if you guys want to be super enthusiastic about a gift, be enthusiastic about that one, because then when you get together, uh, you're speaking truth from God to one another in a language everybody can understand. So he's talking about these things, and what he says uh, in the passage we're going to look at today uh, helps us with a really important question. If we want to live as believers in Jesus, we want to follow him. The question that it raises and deals with is, how do you know, how do you know when God is speaking to you? How do you know if he is? How do you know when he is? You know, one of the amazing claims of the Bible is that God speaks. He speaks. He speaks to us. Hebrews chapter 1 says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets many times in various ways. And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So it's saying God not only spoke the universe into existence. He has spoken repeatedly through human messengers and ultimately through his own son. He has spoken so that we can know him. That's amazing. That is phenomenal. That, and that's something that we as a church, we cherish that truth, that reality. And we decided to name our church, Fly to Bible Church, because it's just so incredible that God has spoken to us. And we want to believe that, and we want to live that out. 
But it's one thing to believe that God has spoken. It's another thing to believe that he is speaking to you. How do you know when he is? How do you know if he is? I'm sure many of us have asked that question. Well, one huge answer, which I've already alluded to, is that God speaks to you when you hear or read his written word. So 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 3:16, all scripture, it's referring to written word of God. All scripture is God breathed. Is the result of God breathing it out and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So when you read or you hear scripture and God's spirit enables you to receive that and to perceive its beauty and, and enables you to connect that to your life, that is God speaking to you. I did a series on this a couple of years ago. It's called Bible Basics, and it explains why we believe what we believe about the Bible and why it is vital to understand that through the Bible, God really does want to speak to you personally. And there's info about that series on your note sheet. Uh, you can go again to the website and you can get caught up, and particularly if that's a, an issue you're, you're wondering about. But the passage we're looking at today talks about a different way of God speaking. Not through scripture that is written, but through messages spoken through the mouths of other people. Now there's a connection, an important connection, and we'll get to it, between those spoken messages and scripture. But the gift of prophecy that this passage talks about refers to God speaking to people through other people who have that gift. Now, if you heard last week's message, on the first half of chapter 14, where we started talking about this gift of prophecy, uh, you'll know that I didn't really define precisely what that gift of prophecy is. Uh, I just pointed out that when we gather together as a church, what we need is we need to hear truth from God. Well, there are reasons I didn't define it. And the main reason is, it's hard to define precisely. And there are, there are scholars who love the Bible, who take the Bible seriously, who there's a significant difference of opinion among them about what exactly this New Testament gift of prophecy is. Some think it's the very same ability that we see in the Old Testament prophets, which I just, we, look, we looked at that in Hebrews 1. God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. And so we're talking about people like Isaiah and Huldah and Jeremiah. And when they said, this is what 
Yahweh. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, or thus saith the Lord. The, what then proceeded out of their mouth was word for word a message from God. So some think, New Testament, yep, same thing. Why would we think it was different? Well, but then there's others who say, no, nah, I think the New Testament gift's a bit different. And that although the New Testament prophet is prompted by the Spirit, what they say is not necessarily 100% accurate, which means then that it's not a word-for-word -word message from God, but it's still something God wants you to hear. Also, there's disagreement about whether this New Testament prophetic gift is still active in the church today or whether it was something that was mainly for the early years of the church before the New Testament was finished and compiled. I'm not going to be able to resolve those questions. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Regardless of where you land on that, I mean, I definitely have an opinion. But regardless of where you land, you end up with the same question, which is this. How do you know when God is speaking? Because there's nobody that thinks that someone who's an New Testament prophet or has that gift, nobody thinks that everything they say is a message from God. So how do you know what is? Well, let's read our passage. And then we'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. You'll listen. <laughs> Why lie? <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, chapter 14, beginning at verse 26. What then, brothers? There, there's another beautiful truth. That, you know, in Christ we're family. Or in Christ we're family. I'd love to talk about that, but I can't. When you come together... Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. We talked about that last time. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, not all at the same time. Let someone interpret. In other words, someone translate it into the language everybody speaks. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church, in the assembly, and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you all, that is all of you with the gift, you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That's basically saying you can't claim that under the influence of the Spirit, you can just be out of control and you can't help it. And that's not true. Spirit of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And there's a lot we could look at, but let's zero in on verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak, let the others weigh what is said. What does it mean? What does it mean to weigh what is said? Well, what he's talking about is evaluating the prophecy, the message that is claimed to be coming from God to determine whether or not it actually is a message from God. And this is not the only place in the Bible where we are told to do this, this weighing or this 
evaluating of prophetic message. So 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. 1 John 4.1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets. He's connecting prophets with spiritual influence. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, just because a message claims to be from God, just because a speaker says their message is from God, it doesn't mean that's the truth. You've got to test it. You have got to test it. So, don't, don't despise prophecies, he says. Don't scoff. Do not scoff at the idea that God might actually have something to say to you through someone else. But don't be gullible either. You have to test the message to see if it's from God or if it's just somebody's personal opinion or something worse. So I want to deal with two questions about this, two questions about testing a message, and I mean a message that somebody claims is from God. First question, why? Why do we test it? Well, I think it's fairly obvious, and it's because there are false messages. There are false messages. There are people who claim to speak for God who don't. There are messages that claim to be from God that really aren't. And the Bible warns us about this from beginning to end. You go all the way back near the very beginning, Deuteronomy 18.20. The Lord speaking through Moses says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. There's such a thing as false prophets. And Jesus, Matthew 7, Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. They look legit. They look harmless. They look like just part of the flock of God. But inwardly are ravenous wolves. And we just saw in 1 John 4, many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we've got to test the messages because there are many counterfeit messages. Are you hearing that? There's many counterfeit messages. Well, you say, well, well wouldn't that be obvious? Wouldn't it be obvious? Wouldn't false prophets just be obvious? Apparently not. Apparently not. That's the problem. They very often look good. They very often sound good. Don't think that, you know, you're going to be able to spot a false prophet because they got horns and carry pitchforks. That's not how it works. They look good. They look like sheep. They look like part of the flock. They're probably going to be very, very nice people. They might wear three-piece suits. They might preach in huge arenas and have lots of followers. They might have buildings that look really nice. And they might actually be very sincere. They might fully believe what they're saying. But the problem is you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. Sincerity isn't the issue. And some... Some will even be able to do 
miraculous things. Look at Matthew 24. For false, false Christs, false messiahs, and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. This is serious business. This is very serious. Distinguishing truth from error is huge. Distinguishing what is from God and what isn't is huge. Big things are at stake. People's lives are at stake. People's eternity is at stake. So that brings us to the second question about a message claiming to be from God. How do you test it? How do you test it? And this is where we begin to see the connection with Scripture. Because Scripture gives us ways to evaluate prophecies to see if they're from God or not. The first test we could call the accuracy test. The accuracy test. If a prophecy makes a prediction that does not come true, then that message is not from God. Now, I want to be clear. When, when we use the word prophecy, we very often understand that to mean predictions about the future. That's what a prophecy is. Well, actually... Prophecy includes a lot more than that, and actually, many times, it doesn't include any predictions at all. And prophecy is very often strong words from God to get his people's attention. There's some kind of crisis, some kind of situation. Usually, you know, his people have gone off the rails, and they're in sin, and God raises up a prophet and speaks strong words to get his people's attention and bring them to repentance and return them to him. But then sometimes there are predictions about the future, and that's when this accuracy test applies. Deuteronomy 18.22, look at it. If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. In other words, don't take him seriously. Second test is the ethical test or the fruit test. Matthew 7, 15, we saw this. Beware of false prophets, Jesus said. Verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits, their actions, what, what comes out of their life. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? No. Figs from thistles? No. So every tree, healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. So, in other words, don't just listen to what they say. Look at what they do. Look at their life. Look at their life. Over a period of time, what, what's characteristic of their life? Do they demonstrate Christ-like love like we saw in chapter 13? So, patience, kindness. Do they, do they conduct themselves with honesty, with integrity, with generosity? Are they getting rich and others are staying poor? What's, you know, purity? 
Because if a messenger lacks good fruit, you should be very skeptical of their message. And then the third test, the consistency test. Is this message consistent with the truth God has already given us? Through Moses, through the Old Testament prophets, and through Jesus and his apostles. This test is the most critical one. And the reason for that is, when it comes to ethics, people can fake us out for a while. They can put on a good show. And when it comes to predictions, sometimes people can make accurate predictions and still be false. You say, really? Yeah, look at Deuteronomy 13. If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, in other words, tells you about a sign or wonder that's going to come to pass, going to happen, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass. And if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. See that? Predictions from a false prophet might come true. But if they say anything that is contrary to the truth God has already revealed that proves that message is not from God. Now, I want you to look at two verses in 1 Corinthians 14. Didn't read them before. We're going to look at them now because this is the exact same principle. It's the same principle as Deuteronomy 13. Look at it. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you, I, the Apostle Paul, am writing to you, are a command of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. When Paul uses the word Lord, that's who he's talking about. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Well, he's not recognized as what? He's not recognized as a prophet speaking a message from God. Why wouldn't he be recognized? Because he's not recognizing a command that Jesus gave through his apostle. So here's the principle. No prophecy, no message from God will ever contradict the truth that God has given us through Jesus and his apostles. Their teaching is foundational and has authority over all other messages. Let me show you, that's a big claim. Let me just run through here some, some verses that talk about this. There's a lot we could look at, but I'm just going to run you through some. Mark 3.14. Jesus appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. 
So they're going to be with him, and then they are going to be his representatives, his messengers sent out. And they were, and they were with him for three years while he taught them. Then on the night before he was crucified, Jesus said this, I have much more to say to you, you guys, you twelve. More than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me. The Spirit glorifies Jesus. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. You see what Jesus is doing? He's telling them, I've got more truth for you, for my people. You can't take it right now, but I'm going to give you that truth later through my spirit. Acts 2.42 They, that's the first Christians there in Jerusalem, they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. And to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Ephesians 2.19 So then you, you Christians, the church, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Ephesians 3, 4 and 5. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And every time apostles and prophets are mentioned, apostles come first. Okay, so there are some conclusions we can draw from this. Number one, the 12 apostles had a unique role in the foundation of the church, in the foundation of Christ's church. The 12 apostles had a unique role because they knew Jesus better than anyone. They knew his teaching better than anyone, and they were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. That actually was a criterion to be an apostle, be an eyewitness of Jesus' resurrection. So they had a unique role. Two, their role included conveying foundational truths from and about Jesus. We now have those truths written for us in the pages of the New Testament. So their role included conveying these foundational truths from Jesus and about Jesus, the gospel. Number three, third conclusion, messages which are contrary to the teaching of the apostles are false. Messages contrary to the teaching of the apostles are false. In fact, Galatians 1.9 goes so far as to say this. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Yikes. That's serious. That's serious. See why we need to know our Bibles? There's a lot of reasons. 
I mean, it's in the pages of the Bible that we meet God. He speaks to us. That's his primary way of speaking to us. He gave us this book so we could know him. This is not about getting smarter. This is not about just filling your head with lots of fun facts. It's about knowing God. And he gave us this book to protect us from messages that claim to be from him but aren't. And there are a lot of those floating around in our world today. There are a lot of them. On the internet, on TV, on the radio, at your front door from very nice people. But their gospel is not the same gospel. It's not the one the apostles delivered to us from Jesus. And that health and wealth gospel that you're going to see on TV, that's not the gospel either. This is the gospel. Don't believe the counterfeit. There's a lot of them. Well, how do you tell a counterfeit? You've got to be familiar with the real thing. You've got to be familiar with the real thing. So that's why we have classes and small groups and seminars. That's why we host a group here like Bible Study Fellowship. So you can know when God is speaking to you. So you can know. And I know it's... You say, it's hard. It's hard sometimes. Yes, it is. It really can be. Lots of things are hard. Usually things worthwhile are hard. It's the easy stuff that's usually not worth doing. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Do you want to know if God's speaking to you? Do you want God to speak to you? How will you know if He is? you got to test the message. And if it passes the accuracy test and the ethical test and above all the consistency test, then by all means, take it seriously. By all means. Let's pray together. Father, you have spoken and you still speak. And you have given us ways to know it's you. Lord, help us not take this flippantly, casually. Help us be neither uh, arrogant or gullible. God, protect us. Protect us from messages that are false. Give us the wisdom, the courage to invest in knowing your word so that we can know when you are speaking to us through your word or if you're speaking to us through someone else, we'll, we'll recognize it, Lord. Help us see the counterfeits. Help us reject the counterfeits. Help us build our lives on that true foundation. In Jesus' name.